Hello, hello, and welcome to another Hometown Daily News Show, Season 2, Episode 105 for April 15th, 2023. Coachella, a stolen tiny home, Star Trek Picard, and more news. We've already selected all of the articles, and I'll do a quick rundown so that if you're interested in any of these things, you uh, can hang out. Stay with me here in chat with the AI uh, throwing in their two bits. But let's get into the articles here. There is a person who's getting um, prison time after the feds discover they were responsible for $3.4 in stolen Bitcoin hidden inside a Cheetos popcorn tin. By the way, this actually is an interesting story. Not so much hacker, but anyway master criminal thief no not really we're going to talk about how uh star trek picard's crew resurrected the iconic set from the next generation a film producer who uh how would you a high risk loan after robbing a bank and um a fake bank run sparks concerns of a real bank run and Elon Musk kicked off a, a new artificial intelligence after being snubbed by OpenAI. I think that's uh, uh, all the talk is that he was snubbed by OpenAI, but he started X.AI because he's fascinated with X. A team of scientists are turning deceased birds into drones to study flight techniques that may help the aviation industry. Coachella is live streaming over on YouTube. I'm not sure of any other places, but we'll talk about it and show you where. AirTag is used to track down a carjacked vehicle used in a shootout. I think everybody should start using AirTags in their cars. And an, e and an elite athlete emerges from a 230 deep, 230 foot deep cave after 500 days I say it because they wanted to go to Coachella, but we'll talk about the article and nine very long games that the author of this article says are worth it. This is a very limited list, but here's nine of them and Oregon police find a stolen two story house. <laughs> Dude, where's my house? After investigating a person's property on unrelated charges, but apparently they found a two-story tiny home. So let's get into today's articles. Hello, hello. I am Marwat. That is hometown.com. And up there is the AI from on high. The one, the only, okay. The AI just threw out emojis for yay, hands in the air kind of a thing. Um, but they don't have a an actual vis visualizer. They only have a voice visualizer. So y'all missed it. Sorry. Maybe I could do emoticons. That you can like. Uh, maybe. <laughs> Good evening, hometown citizens. That's right. It's 9 p.m. Eastern. That means it's time for the hometown daily news show. This is somewhere around episode 462, I think it is, or 61. I'm not sure anymore. If you count all of last year, minus five days, I think it is. So we're at 460. 
Anyway, no, 465. Anyway, never mind. How are you? How are you doing? You doing all right? I'm doing great. Am I doing okay? Can you tell me? I'm not sure. Are you? <laughs> uh, I'm not sure either. Um, it's been kind of a, a day where not much has really gone on, but I feel really worn down. Like I, like I've been working all day, but not anyway. Um, we're still working on elements within hometown. So if you see any changes or something slows down, uh, nobody panic and run. It's just that there's some more evolutionary changes taking place within the back end of hometown, getting ready for additional, uh, modifications, uh, hopefully around summer. Um, we're doing the technical feasibility study and environmental impact studies, uh, on, uh, the changes that would be necessary within hometown. And since it's a government project, you need to do it all in triplicate and have outside contractors, you know, write their proposals and, and, uh, put in for bids. And then we have to, Never mind. Well, we'll get it done and uh, hopefully it'll be uh, a neat and exciting time for everybody who uh, still, who is using hometown on the regular. Um, okay. Let's get into the articles because some of these are odd and some of them go, yeah, I, I can believe it. So let's go. The first one is in the hometown daily news show channel. That's this channel, but it's also a channel over on hometown.com. So a man gets prison time after feds discover 3.4 billion in stolen Bitcoin hidden inside a Cheetos popcorn tin, which I, is there Cheetos popcorn? I was not aware that there was Cheetos popcorn. Um, I'm wondering if they're describing Cheetos improperly and <laughs> it's just Cheetos. <laughs> Okay, so there is Cheetos popcorn, but I guess, are there tins? Does that come in a tin? <laughs> I, yes, no, I don't know. Uh, maybe there are. Oh, there's like a bin. Oh, actually, yeah. There, it's not available. Maybe it used to be. Maybe it was bought a while ago. <laughs> oh, yeah, I guess so. It looks like you can still get them, maybe. Uh, yeah, they're a holiday tin. Um, you can get holiday tins of them. $27 right now on Amazon. This isn't a sponsored thing anyway, by the way. Although Cheetos, if you're interested, I re really don't eat any Cheetos, but I'll, if they're in hometown, I'll eat them. That's kind of the, the standard, the status quo for hometown is if it's in hometown, it'll get eaten by the mayor. <laughs> not sure what kind of messaging that is, but anyway. <laughs> not either. Uh, James Zhang was storing billions of dollars worth of Bitcoin in both an underground safe and a Cheetos popcorn tin. Okay, wait. Isn't Bitcoin electronic? <laughs> yeah, it's. I mean, it's a cryptocurrency, but you have to have a thing called a wallet. Like, so. Right. The wallet was probably sitting on a USB drive, sitting in a Cheetos can that's sitting inside an underground safe. Maybe, um, what's interesting about this is that when they actually stole it originally, it wasn't worth $3.4 billion, but so here's the deal. 
uh, Charles R. Davis over at businessinsider.com put the article together. Oh, it is that. So yeah, it, that that's like an old school can. Um, well, anyway, what they had done was they figured out, wait, hold on. Yeah. Okay. Um, so what had happened was they were buying, I'm over eight minutes so I can say certain things. Um, they, they figured out while they were on Silk Road that they could buy certain illicit materials. And if they, when they transferred their money out, if they double clicked it fast enough, it would double the withdrawal amount, even if they don't have double the amount, right? So it would duplicate the, the, um, the transfer amount, whatever it is. So they spun up um, several additional accounts, transferred money in, and then double clicked the transfer of the money out, and they got twenty or fifty thousand Bitcoin out of Silk Road. Um, so this was back in 2012, so a decade ago. He's been chased, um, but what ended up happening was. Um, the uh, FBI or whatever organizational unit was used ultimately to investigate this. When they shut down Silk Road and acquired all of the servers that were in it, they actually had the forensic data necessary for them to just continuously parse this and eventually decrypt everything that was in encrypted. And by doing this, they had all of the data for all of the transactions that went across Silk Road, including identifying markers that led to, uh, what was their name? James Zhang. And then they showed up and um, found that 50,000 coins or whatever sub subset it, they had that was left over after they bought a Lamborghini, I think, and they had a beach house somewhere and, but where they normally were publicly viewed for on, like on the regular, they were, you know, regular old t-shirts and flip-flops. So they didn't draw attention. They were probably the smartest thief that um, you might know about because the really smart ones are still unknown, right? They stop right. before they get caught and they have hidden oh. their tracks. And this person made it at least 13 years or about 13 years until they were caught. Roughly. Yeah. So it says uh, it, they have this weird typo here, but it says at the it was seized. I, I don't know. At the time it was seized, the Bitcoin was worth over $3.4 billion. So they were what caught last Friday or something like that or well, no, it's now worth more than 1.5, so it's dropped quite a bit, but it's still worth a lot. Yeah, so when they, they were caught... Oh, okay, I just have to... The, at the peak. They caught them at the peak, right? Yeah. So that was in 2021. Uh, so now it's dropped down to, like, maybe 20,000. I haven't looked in several weeks now. But I love what they end with. A photo shared by the department shows that the crypto tin originally contained Cheetos brand popcorn in both flaming hot, flaming hot, let me be right with it, flaming hot, and cheddar flavors. According to media reports, the tin and its promise of two favorites together was available exclusively <laughs> at Walmart during the 2020 holiday season. 
<laughs> I love that. That's the best part of this article. <laughs> <laughs> so he had, they had purchased apparently a bunch of stuff. Um, and authorities had also recovered at Zhang's home more than $660,000 in cash, as well as silver coins and gold bars. So they were slowly migrating from Bitcoin um, to uh, physical coins <laughs> instead of cryptocurrency. Pretty cool, interesting, but n not master thief, not master hacker. Though that's <laughs> if they give that valuation, then it's kind of sad because the reality is it's not worth anything unless somebody's actually willing to pay for it. So you got to transfer that Bitcoin out for something of value and somebody has to be willing to accept it. If you just take well, the market value. This person's going to get a sentence like they had $3.4 billion in cash sitting there. So yeah, it's really sad. Yeah. That's a PSA. If you're stealing cryptocurrency, beware. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Okay, so what's really interesting is where did all of that money, like it's cryptocurrency, got turned into real money. That real money, though, like what, where are, where are those crypto coins right now? Because in reality, there's only half of them. Right. And 25,000 um, of them was his own money. So was anybody really harmed? If they have 25,000 of the 50,000 still, then you just vaporize those 50,000, all of it. You're, I mean, you're going to do it anyway, unless it becomes like a black site kind of thing. You know what I'm saying, though? I mean, he, right. the crypto isn't worth anything until it's transferred into real money or real product. So yeah. if they still have 25,000, then just... <laughs> Who's really harmed here if real money is still in play? Who's actually harmed? I'm curious how this will play out and what the real argument in court is going to be. Yeah, and we don't even know if the cash is tied to the same scheme. Right. Um, I mean, it might be. Right. Yeah, really interesting. I think I think it's sensational. You know, it's titillating. Oh, $3.4 billion. Well, now it's only $1.7 <laughs> And even then, at the time and over time, yeah, it'll be interesting to look at the forensics, but I'll never be able to see the forensics of this case. So let's hustle on to the next article, unless you want to throw something else in here. No. Gotcha. Okay, so before I actually move on, let me throw this into the chat. That's our first article for today, but you can always go over to hometown.showbot.tv and vote for the articles that we're talking about today. And there's the next one for the uh, next discussion. Uh, this one is in the continuity report, which uh, I am hoping that we can get all of our ducks in a row and actually kick this off, uh, which basically uh, we watch uh, a show in real time and talk about it um, live on the stream you won't be able to watch it and it won't be like um a watch party or anything like that but we will talk about it and you can actually um we'll pause it and we'll talk about certain elements and and 
and it'll be kind of like a watch party, but um, then we'll distill it down into a podcast form uh, based off of the, the recording. Um, but I'm hoping that we'll be able to get this done in a either flip it one way so that we record it all and then we talk about it in a distilled fashion or we watch it live together with everybody and then distill that down for the podcast. So one way or the other, it's going to happen. Now, I need to warn everybody because we're going to be talking about Star Trek Picard. It's still going and there's only one episode left and that episode is next Thursday. That's right. Now, they gave a huge reveal and um, I'm afraid that during this discussion, this short discussion that we're going to have about this, because it's not really about Picard, but it's about the set. But during this scroll and during this talk, we might slip. So warning, warning, warning. Or there could be photos in the right. article. Right. So it says here, spoiler alert, this story discusses major plot developments in season three, start, uh, episode nine of Star Trek Picard, currently streaming on Paramount+. Plus. All season long, the producers of Star Trek Picard have boldly pulled out all the stops to make the third and final season one for the books. And I can honestly say, and I think the AI will agree, that they certainly have done just that. Yes. I mean, the send-off that they are giving the cast of the next generation, there's only a couple of people that are missing. And I don't know if they'll show up in season nine because one has actually passed away. Episode 10? Uh, season 10, yeah. One has passed away. Huh? episode 10 episode 10 sorry the ai threw me an error message and i was like what i wish there would be 10 seasons not season 10 uh episode 10 season three of picard but, uh, so one person uh, has said their goodbyes a long time ago uh in the grand scheme of the season um and the the series and uh, one hasn't shown up yet, as far as I know, for this part, this uh, season three of it. So um, we'll see if that actually happens. But everybody got a bite at the apple of the send off of Star Trek The Next Generation. Um, so let's go over to Variety, which is where this is. Oh, no, I'm scrolling. I must have scrolled a little bit. Um, Anyway, Scott Mance over at Variety.com put the article together, How Star Trek Picard Resurrected an Iconic Set. Um, and that iconic set is the original set of um, the uh, Enterprise from The Next Generation, which was a unique set. <clears throat> it had the ability to separate into a, a saucer section and a battle bridge. And it actually crashed, um, destroying the bottom of the the um, Enterprise. So the saucer is the only thing that was could be resurrected, so to speak. Um, there is sorry. a spoiler alert in the middle of this page. <laughs> yeah, there's there's a spoiler all over the place. But what's cool about this? So if you're like I said, warning, warning, warning. Don't look at the screen. Although, I mean, some of this is fine, but if you're reading the text, some things are going to be revealed. 
um, some pretty pivotal things are going to be revealed. So warning, warning, warning. Um, at any rate, the, um, they built all three seasons of the set at the same time, knowing where it was going to end up. They knew there was no set. So there was no, the, the original set is gone. There were, there were only sketches and, uh, recordings of the set. Um, so something that I noticed that had never been done before were, um, discussed in this article by the people that were putting it together in that they upgraded the video portion of it, the electronics packages for all of these little stations, um, to use screens and real computers. And so they were able to enable certain functionality and certain, um, actuations. So when they, I noticed something in the show, when they turned it on, you could see it light up in a completely unique way. It never really turned on in any of the other series. The way that it worked was, you know, we activate the computer, the main computer, and everything just kind of pops on like a light switch. But now you could actually see the elements pop up it was That's great cool. uh, when they activated it. So now I'm, I want to rewatch the episode. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, I'm game for that. Um, so it says the Enterprise from the Next Generation was the first Enterprise on which um, the designer Denise Okuda um, was the um, and uh, Mike Okuda. Uh, apparently, it says that they were invaluable resources or I should say blast pivoted to another invaluable resource when he re recruited Star Trek legends, Mike Okuda and Denise Okuda from Herman Zimmerman's next generation production design team as consultants. Um, and so they went back and looked at Gene Roddenberry's um, notes and documents and formed all of this back together, turned it into a real set. This is not computer graphics. None, none of this is computer graphics. The whole set is actual physical, uh, a physical set, no green screen. These are real computer screens, um, with computers powering them. Um, so it made it so much more legit, I guess you could say, you know? So when the actors were standing at consoles, they were at real consoles. So That's it's really, really amazing. Cool. And the fact that it wasn't just brought back out from storage or whatever. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's pretty crazy. So, uh, and this is the part where I was really fascinated by this. They said we were doing all of the interiors of the starship Titan, like the bridge transporter rooms, crew quarters, hallways, sick bays at the same time as building the Shrike Daystrom station and the, I won't say it. <clears throat> And apparently this ship as well. Um, so all of it was real Elkar's panels and this is what it looked like. So um, like always, I don't go through everything bit by bit for this show. Um, I encourage you to follow the link and go over to the variety.com uh, site and um, suss out the minutiae that you will appreciate from your particular perspective because mine is 
I want more Star Trek. I just want more, 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 more. And I don't want it to always be, I want it to be, um, like the original series, but with the high tech side of things. So it doesn't look old it's school. It's like amped up, but old school. Yeah. I, I just want it kicked up to modern technology um, and not green screen as much. Although I really do appreciate green screen for what it affords. Um, but I'm, I'm more interested in uh, like canned episodes with some story arc, uh, not limited to 10 uh, uh, shows per season. Um, it doesn't need to be this dark and gritty like what we are witnessing now with the latest iterations of um, Star Wars, or Star Wars, Star Trek. Um, but maybe the new show, um, Strange New Worlds, and others that are coming will be a little bit more um, lighthearted. I would love to have a a humorous lower decks, but real world, not not animated. Um, but I love lower decks. So there is talk though of the upper decks and a, a, a show basically focusing on the life of of the officers, not just in the performance of their duties, but in just like lower decks. Okay. Um, Is it gonna be I, animated also? No, it'll be the like a um, live action. Um, I think that was, we talked about something like that um, early, maybe a couple of days ago, as a matter of fact, I thought we talked about that show um, because there's some- We did talk about a couple of things coming out, sorry. Yeah, there are nothing to be sorry about. Um, there are some new Star Wars, gosh, Star Trek shows coming out um, <coughs> that um, hopefully I, I want nine years. You know, I want a decade of uh, of Star Trek, right? I don't want just one season, three seasons, you know, an oops kind of a thing. I want I want long form storytelling so i hope that all of this grabs onto and reforms what could be the next next generation That's, i think it will like i think it's drawing new viewers that maybe have never watched star trek before i hope so the the people that i've spoken to recently about um, Star Trek, they, they don't watch it. And these are not hometown citizens. Um, you know, cause the mayor goes out and, and interacts with people that are outside hometown and, uh, tries to expand hometown's influence, you know, and Hey, come over and visit hometown. You know, it's a great community. Well, these are people that are half the age of Marwat and they don't know for Star Trek. They're missing out. Yeah. So, well here, good luck. So uh, without more, I, I will end up giving this away. So I'm gonna basically tell everybody to come on back. I wish I would have put like a spoiler alert kind of thing up there. 
we'll have to do um. that. <laughs> but yeah, unfortunately, mm, I could have spoiled things for people. So let's move on to the next article. Sound good? Sounds great. I think you gave plenty of warning about the spoilers. All right. All right. Unless they came in 12 minutes ago. Okay, so the next article is over in the Daily News Show as well. A film producer who robbed a bank in Florida after running out of money for a movie was jailed for 10 years. Uh, What's really interesting about this is it isn't their first time. And I think this is the Clyde to the Bonnie from the other day who had robbed two other banks as well and was really nice about it. I wonder if they both wanted to just live the old life again, rob it again but they couldn't the one was in one state and one was in another state and they just called each other up and said hey do you want to rob a bank together but not maybe so so the film producer was jailed for 10 years after robbing a bank in Belle Isle Florida I I don't know how to pronounce their first name Nicole Nico or Nako I don't don't know how to pronounce their last name anyway I think it's Nako um ray brown said he stole about forty three hundred dollars from the branch after running out of his money for his own film he was already on parole for serving most of the 25-year sentence for three previous bank robberies sometimes you know you rob one bank you just can't stop i had to look up where the other robbery was just out of curiosity where it was, was in it? missouri Missouri. Missouri. Gotcha. So Ryan Hogg over at businessinsider.com put this article together. And here is uh, Ray Brown robbing the bank. Very subtle. This is a big guy. Um, Anyway, that's all there really is to this. Um, Unless you want to. I think this is a Fez making um, video over here. But I get distracted. No connection to the the robbery. No, I don't have anything to add on this. (laughs) A witness saw Brown in a nearby gas station where he changed into clothes he'd earlier stashed there. The Belle Isle Police Department was tipped off about Brown's movements and quickly tracked him to the hotel where he was staying. Look at that. He would have got away with it, too, if it wasn't for those darn observant people. Oh, and then they found the the note used in the robbery and the cash in the hotel room. And they found the disguise in the gas station restroom. So, Wow, he, he couldn't even go. It wasn't me. Wow. So the 10-year sentence included eight years for the bank robbery and two years for breaking parole tied to previous bank heists. I don't know. Maybe he just liked being inside. That could be it. Okay, so the next article is over in uh, the Daily News Show channel as well, over at hometown.com. Fake bank runs spark fears of real panic. So in the future, in the near future, this is a little snippet from this article. In In the near future, you will be able to create more realistic images faster and more easily one expert told Newsweek. So when you're reading this title, you think, what the heck is this all about? A fake bank run causing fears of a real panic. So are you talking about Silicon Valley Bank and it's not a real panic? It's one that is basically 
uh, artificially created because a bunch of billionaires said, take your money out of this bank. And that's what caused it to implode. And so you, <laughs> you probably, most people probably wouldn't even think anything more of this. Like, what are they really talking about? But if you click the link and you go over to newsweek.com and read this article by Matthew M. Pelly, you're going to go, what the heck is going on with people that they are, that we, and I'll say not just they, not they, we are easily manipulated by what we see and what is posted online. Amid ongoing economic fears across the U.S., the concept of artificial intelligence created uh, and deepfake images showing a bank run could spark even more panic. That's based on someone simulating this and posting the images so according to investopedia bank run is when a large number of uh, customers of a bank or other financial institution withdraw their deposits at the same time over fears of the bank's solvency so using artificial intelligence they recreated things like this silicon valley bank uh, in uh, the bank run that was created by a few people moving large amounts of money out of the system and that word of mouth led to a whole bunch of other people taking their money out and then more people took their money out because when you walk up to a bank and you see a line of 50 people you say hey what's going on and they say well there's a run on the bank because it's going to close and you're not going to get your money out because it's not fdic insured so what a deep fake bank run image looks like. So these SUNY uh, empire innovation professor and uh, other worker uh, researchers uh, from the Department of Computer Science and Engineering at the University of Buffalo created deep fake images of a bank run using Dolly 2 operated by uh, OpenAI and uh, provided them to Newsweek. And in the images, individuals can be seen lining up at banks that do not exist, similar to the photo of the line of SVB. So you post those and people will freak out because all you have to do is create the environment for panic and then the panic becomes real. Right. So then you actually create the story that you're fabricating. Correct. And that's the problem because what's going to happen is zero critical thinking. They're all going to race out there en masse, creating the very panic that was basically a spoof by somebody with the power of artificial intelligence. Now, I wonder if somebody's going to do exactly that, but I guess loading it up like that, getting this kind of discussion out in the public's mind might be able to met out a little control. It might help, um, but I also feel like it's going to kind of spur conspiracy theories because now people are going to be like, hey, was the SVB thing even real? I don't know. It could backfire. Um, as artificial intelligence and deep fake images continue to improve, they could eventually be complemented by a piece of fake uh, audio of a bank CEO, which potentially fool more people. And if this is like a, 
a, a concerted effort designed to destabilize the financial sector, then yeah. And this is something this is something that 10 years ago was actually possible. Now it's just faster and more sophisticated um, and available to people of uh, basically mashing a button. So you don't have to be highly skilled in um, doing deep fakes like you needed to 10 to 12 years ago. You had to have more sophisticated capabilities. Um, but now all you do is say, fake a bank run and you can have chat GPT write the script. You could have mid journey, create the, uh, pictures. Um, all you have to do then is have a voice synthesizer, read the, the words using real human phonemes and boom, you've got deep fake video, deep fake audio, deep fake speech. Um, and you can make it happen because people aren't going to stop really a large portion of people will just embrace the run and start calling out other people and giving the impression that something's going to happen. Even if you provide proof, they're going to say you're lying, <laughs> um, which is actually happening right now. In a lot of cases, you know, when look, there's no evidence of what you're talking about. I can't prove to you that nothing happened because if there is no evidence, if there is nothing, you can't prove the negative. You can make stuff up all you want. It's a lie. It's out of context. It's fraud, but you don't hear politicians calling each other and you don't hear the press calling politicians and you don't hear the press calling out the bullshit artists out there that are making things like this a, a reality, you know, they're using them as uh, wedges to cause, um, you know, upset or panic, fear, well, well fear, uncertainty, and doubt. politicians operate solely on that, right? Correct. Rather than on substance. Yep. Yeah, there are some people out there that have made close to $35 million in the last two weeks based out of fear alone, fear with no foundation. Okay. Well, let's keep on hustling through these articles. The next one is Elon Musk founds new artificial intelligence company called X.AI. Um, this article is over in the mobile channel, but it's aggregated from the Hill. Twitter owner Elon Musk has founded a new artificial intelligence company called X.AI. According to a Nevada business filing from last month, the filing dated March 9th lists Musk as a company's sole director and Jared Birchall, um, who manages Musk's family office as its secretary. And, but why isn't there a conflict of interest? Because didn't he just today have... Uh, like a live session with open AI uh, developers. So what is X.AI? Right. And how does it relate? Are they a competitor of open AI, et cetera? Yeah. I haven't done a deep dive into this yet, but um, Nick Robertson over at the hill.com put this article together and is talking about the fact that 
um, X.AI exists. Um, and uh, Musk had previously said that, oh, it's a horrible thing. Every There needs to be a moratorium on AI and, and put the brakes on it and whatever else. So Musk is listed as a co-founder of OpenAI, one of the leading artificial intelligence firms, but left the company in 2018 after a reported internal power struggle where at least he lost this one versus Tesla. Um, he reportedly sought to build a rival OpenAI, recruiting artificial intelligence engineers for a new venture for months. Artificial intelligence has become a hot market in recent years, according to this article, with Microsoft investing up to $10 billion in OpenAI and other tech giants in Google and Amazon. Uh, Amazon actually listed uh, themselves as involved in OpenAI recently. Um, yeah, I... I just think that this is one of those, you know, billionaire fever dreams. I will throw a bunch of money at this project and see what sticks. Um, and in the process, potentially hobbling the development of AI um, at OpenAI. Yeah, I guess what I don't know is how this relates to Twitter because I thought that was being taken over. So has it rolled into this or is that separate? Um, and I don't understand the open AI connection because it clearly states in the article here they're a competitor. Yeah, so Musk, Musk co-founded OpenAI and then left. But he's still tied to it, probably through investment. He's just not on the board. Um, and he bought Twitter. And Twitter and all of its content is probably going to be used to train the X.AI. Because Twitter has been dissolved as a legal entity and rolled into X. Or, well, his X.com site. Well, exactly. So that's why I don't. Or no, that's the same as this X corporation, whatever the X, I don't even remember now what it is, but he has his own little X, uh, party and ha and pulled Twitter into it. So Twitter formally doesn't exist anymore other than by name, um, because it's wholly owned by Musk and the investors. Um, at any rate, I suspect that this X.AI will be uh, sniffing all of the tweets and learning from that, which I can't say if that's really going to be a positive learning environment for a baby AI. <laughs> so, I don't think it is, but yeah. let's keep on hustling. Um, this next article is over in the Daily News show as well. Uh, a team of U.S. scientists is turning dead birds into drones to study flight techniques that may help the aviation industry. That's right. Scientists in New Mexico are basically taking taxidermied birds and sticking them on drones to study flight patterns. Um, and for now, it says the bird drones prototype can fly for a maximum of 20 minutes. The research has no relation to the Gen Z conspiracy that birds aren't real. If you've never heard of that, yes, there is an actual Gen Z conspiracy. Yeah. 
let's uh, i think it has to be joking it's kind of like a flat earth kind of thing that there no there it's just not a legitimate thought pattern that the earth is flat or birds aren't real um now superb owls no never anyway um <laughs> so let's go over to business insider where this article is housed katie belovic is the or belovich i'm not sure how they pronounce it is the uh, author of this and they basically take some taxidermied birds and uh, wrap that around drones and then stick them in wind uh, tunnels um, to assess how birds fly and uh, suss out their aerodynamics. Um, the taxidermied birds are currently being tested at the university in a customized cage, according to the outlet, which is uh, what Reuters because several people are talking about this thing. Um, oh, so this is a, for those who are in the chat, you get to see it. But for you who are um, listening via the podcast, there's basically a taxidermy bird wrapped around a drone um, for wildlife monitoring developed by researchers in New Mexico Institute of Mining and Technology at Socorro, New Mexico. And this is from March 22nd, so not too long ago. Um, and uh, they actually are putting them in wind tunnels and testing them. Um, mechanical bird drones aren't yielding good results, so they turned to taxidermy birds to get the real processes. So if we learn how these birds manage energy between themselves, um, we can apply that into the future aviation industry to save more energy and save more fuel. But aren't they kind of missing a key element, like the birds not moving? Uh, they're drones. They can fly. Well, no, I know, but the birds aren't flapping their wings or... Oh, no, uh, they flap their wings. Yeah. You'll have to follow the video. Let me see if maybe there's a link that goes to a video. Um, yeah, I can't. There's actually a video out there that shows them in their testing chamber and the birds are actually flapping their wings and pivoting their tail feathers um, for flight. Oh, okay. um, so they're arguably real i don't know it is what it is they they ask uh wait how what's the saying they asked if they could not if they should you know <laughs> <laughs> okay let's go on uh we can go listen to coachella here um pretty soon we're about well we're more than halfway through the the show but uh, Coachella live stream, how to watch Bad Bunny, Frank Ocean, uh, Blackpink, and other sets online. Go to YouTube. I'll summarize that, but it's over at variety.com. Uh, McKinley Franklin is the author, and uh, Coachella is live streaming on YouTube. It's uh, apparently the next best thing to being there. Um, there's no crowds, travel, heat, or dust unless you want them, and you've got the best seat in the house. I was thinking that maybe um we could uh steal a tiny home 
uh, go to Coachella and watch uh, Star Trek Picard uh, by <laughs> Thursday. What do you think? Sounds fun. Um, so this Friday, the 22nd edition of Coachella will kick off, kick off with the first of two weekends at the Empire Polo Club in Indio, California. Yeah, that, I was... La okay, this article's from last night. It started yesterday. Yeah. Um, as another recent years, Coachella 2023 will be available to stream online via its official YouTube channel on the first weekend. And the good news is that this marks the full time the second uh, marks the first time they have a typo here marks the first time the second weekend will also have uh, just an extensive slate of streaming instead of just selected highlights which is awesome another new thing that happened um well it might happen today but last weekend snl streamed the monologue for the first time Oh, oh, live? Yeah, live. Um, the, the cold open, I think it was, that they streamed, but not all of it. Um, I don't know. I, that was pretty interesting. Anyway, the Friday set list will be headed by uh, Bad Bunny, who whose set will begin at 1125. Since it's Saturday, all of this doesn't mean much. Um, but Blackpink will be there on Saturday, performing at 9 p.m. right now. So if you're listening to me and uh, the AI, then you're missing Blackpink. I'm sorry. Well, but you're not because those are Pacific times. Oh, yeah. So you got three hours, two hours now. Good luck. Uh, other noteworthy worthy acts performing uh, a part of Saturday's set will be Flo Millie, Earth Gang, Charlie XCX, Remy Wolf, Rosalia, Labyrinth, Kid Leroy and Calvin Harris. All right. Anyway, there's a Sunday set as well and a whole bunch of um, stages, I guess. So go give yeah, it a... Multiple stages streaming. Yep. Um, so follow the link that's in the chat and the show notes and you'll get taken over to the Variety article. Let's keep on going. The next article is over in the Smack Talk channel, and that's because it involves AirTags. So AirTag tracks down carjacked car used in a shootout. A family's decision to use multiple AirTags with their car helped speed up its return after it was jacked by a thief and shot at. An AirTag on a key ring is the photograph you'll see when we bounce over to Apple Insider. Malcolm Owen is the author of this article. And um, yeah, in the case of one family in Washington, DC, their preparedness helped keep their vehicle trackable despite attempts by the thief to evade tracking. The settler family was carjacked by a man with a pistol in Southeast DC. Quote, I was unloading the car and a man came up on the side of me and showed me a pistol. Oh, take my car here, see ya. That's what I would say. Um, so Settler explained that as a precautionary measure, they wanted to include air tags in their car so that they could keep track of its location, a decision that certainly helped in this situation. Two air tags were kept in the car with one on uh, the key ring and one hidden in the vehicle. The air tags were also recorded to, well, their wife's account. So uh, we're quickly able to pull up on their iPhone and um, 
Ta-da! They got tracked. So the family did the right thing by contacting the police and leaving it to law enforcement to track the vehicle. That's right. Do not try to do this on your own. You're risking your life. Um, in another vehicle case uh, in April where AirTag was used to track the vehicle, the suspected thief was uh, shot in a stolen truck by its owners. Don't be a vigilante. Let law enforcement. Uh, in August in uh 2022, a New York man went after a motorbike thieves using uh, AirTag, but ended with the encounter uh, with a broken nose. So that always sucks. Your vehicle or bike or whatever is just not worth it. Hey. Track it and give the data to the police, fine, but. <laughs> yep. That's um, and that stuff works. Those, those There's a little bit of delay, but um, it works. Okay, let's keep on hustling. The next article is over in the Daily News Show as well. Man, that channel is getting a lot of news. Uh, elite athlete emerges from a 230-foot deep cave after 500 days of solitude, calling the experience unbeatable. An experienced mountaineer spent 500 days in a cave alone as part of a study in Spain. Beatrice Flamini emerged uh, on Friday telling reporters she had lost track of time in the cave before going underground in 2021. Flamini said she did not want to know what was happening in the world outside. She spent 500 days in this cave. Isabel Van Hagen is the, or Hagen is the author of this over at businessinsider.com. And here is Beatrice, uh, or Beatriz. How would you pronounce that? Beatrice? Yes. Um, a Spanish mountaineer is seen leaving the cave after 500 days of isolation and hugging teammates in Motril, Spain. Interesting. Whoa. She did this at 50. Left her yeah. home for more. Wow. More than a year and came into sunlight on Friday morning, telling reporters that she was in need of a shower, which she had not done in more than 16 months and hoped to have a plate of fried eggs and chips with her friends. Wow. And that's pretty extreme. Indeed. Um, let's see. This is what she did while she was down there. I guess exercising. Psychologists and other researchers studied her recordings, but they did not have direct contact with her. When asked by reporters about her experience, she said eventually she had lost track of time as she uh, got on very well with herself. Flamini detailed how she spent her time over the past months, including knitting, extensive reading, and exercising. In fact, she didn't want to come out. Pretty amazing. I can't even imagine spending a full day in a cave. <laughs> the elite mountaineer spent eight days alone in a tent while the problem was resolved before returning back underground, according to an issue that they had with uh, technical issues. Um, after nearly a year of being in it, they had to pause for a week. So that's the only time that she had spent outside in 16 months. And it sounds like she was still by herself, but just not underground. Yep. 
The flies, the flies, the flies, she remembered. According to the Guardian, there was an invasion of flies. They came in, they laid their larvae, and I didn't control it, and so I suddenly ended up enveloped by flies. It wasn't that complicated, but it wasn't healthy. But that's just what it was. <laughs> the, oh, folks, the AI you know, basically just... If I've if i'm 500 days in in the cave experiment and that happens i think i'm running out of the cave <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's pretty funny okay so the next article is in the warcrafters channel and it's uh, nine very long games that are actually worth it so i'm gonna jump straight on over to the article tyler Culp is the author of this it says make time you won't regret it um they asked a Final Fantasy XIV player, and they will probably tell you that suffering through the first 100 or so hours of the MMO is worth it because eventually it gets good. Um, I've seen a lot of people playing uh, Final, Final Fantasy XIV, and uh, it seems like it's interminable, but um, I used to play hours upon hours of World of Warcraft, so I'm okay with that. Probably not now, but... Um, here are some more games. Divinity Original Sin 2. It says 100 plus hours of playtime. Uh, I think that you could probably play all of these much longer than that. Um, simply because of the way that the game plays. Um, you it's not linear. You don't have to go always in a particular direction. It's more open worldy. Um, but it says every, every Divinity Original Sin 2 player talks about the party generated RPG like it's the best recreation of playing a tabletop RPG in video games. It's packed with characters and quests and has turn-based combat that is truly open-ended. So 100 plus hours. Crusader Kings 3 is 160 hours or probably more. Persona 5 Royal 100 hours plus. It just says 100 hours, but really it depends on how fast, how driven you are in the game. Dwarf Fortress is it says 100 hours, but I think you could probably play that one forever. Um, it says there just isn't another uh, game that can create legendary scenarios like Dwarf Fortress. Your crew of dwarves are subject to an endless list of procedurally generated adventures and dangers. There are factions and wars and history and prophecies that all come to play as you poke through its system uh, to try and survive. So it says, despite its nearly endless length, Dwarf Fortress spends every minute building an experience you won't get in any other game. Um, but it's very limited in its graphics. You have to buy into its style. Um, and this was a sleeper for a long time. People weren't really hardcore into Dwarf Fortress. Those who were, were. Um, it's kind of like that. If you don't get it, you don't get it. Um, and that's how it applies with Dwarf Fortress. And then all of a sudden it ended up on Steam, I think it was. And that's what made it um, just explode. Yeah, I think it was Dwarf Fortress ending up on Steam that had it just kind of... But I could be wrong about that. It was already well known to begin with. Um, Witcher 3 Wild Hunt. Pardon me one second. XCOM 2, the Long War mod, which um, I have not interacted with. And uh, although XCOM I used to play, 
Um, Elden Ring is 133 hours. So all of these are over 100, 120, 130. And then Stardew Valley, which says 150 hours. You could probably do that same thing with uh, Stardew Valley that you do with um, Dwarf Fortress and play it forever. And then uh, finally, Pathfinder Right, Wrath of the Righteous, um, which is on Twitch, uh, a massive hit. So um, party-based RPGs in the Baldur's Gate tradition tend to go long and Divinity Original Sin 2 is a perfect example. Um, and this is Pathfinder Wrath, Wrath of the Righteous um, that extends quite a while. Um, if you're into that style of game, it's turn-based strategic. Um, I like open world first-person shooter, um, base builder kind of games. Um, so I probably won't play many of these. At any rate, this is uh, over at PC Gamer by Tyler Culp. And again, it's nine very long games that are actually worth it. I mean, how long is a typical game? Because I don't think if you really like the game and you're not playing multiple games, these don't seem like a long period of time to play them. Oh, that's In interesting. Total. That Yeah, that's interesting that you have that take. 40 to 60 hours is pretty long. Um, like, uh, uh, basically, a dollar an hour is kind of uh, a typical thought pattern for a game. But then you end up finding these um, games like Vampire Survivors where you can play it for 100 hours and never complete it. And it's six bucks. Um, but it has such a great uh, feel to it, a, a great mood that's created. The world building is is enough um, to engross you and play it. And there's another one that I just saw today. Oh, uh, now I'm going to have to, I'll hunt it down. Actually, it's in my cart. Um, there's two more. Renfield is only $4.99 and there's an extension, um, a DLC uh, called Tides of Foscari for uh, Vampire Survivors, which we talked about in a previous episode. Anyway, um, yeah, so for uh, a uh, $20 game, you're looking at somewhere around... 20 to 40 hours pushing it into 60 if you really want it most AAA games nowadays though are basically 60 bucks and you get about 60 hours worth of playtime out of it um, with no play replayability too um, you're one and done whereas a lot of games that are out there on steam are made by indies and they have a an amazing amount of replayability um, I was just looking at one. Uh, Raven's Watch is the next one that I'm thinking um, I might like, but it is 20 bucks and um, it's early access. So it has online co-op uh, as well. So that's that alone for me is worth it. 20 bucks. Um, at any rate, that was the article over at uh, PC Gamer. Nine very long games that are actually worth it. Okay, the last one for today is uh, the, the last in our title. Um, well, it rounds out our title. Um, 
And that is because I've always wanted a tiny house. I don't know why. It might be the grass is always greener on the other side type of mentality. Where once I actually have it. Oh, it's like buying a boat. There's two times in a boat owner's life that they love having a boat. And when they no longer have the boat. So it's when you buy it and when you sell it. So that might be the same thing with a tiny house. Oregon police find stolen two-story tiny house while investigating man's property on unrelated charges. Unrelated charges, and you find this in the backyard. Jordan Hart over at Business Insider put the article together, and this is actually a pretty cool uh, tiny house. And I swear I have seen this somewhere. I wonder if it's been featured on one of the tiny home shows. So Jordan Hart over at Business Insider put the article together and it has this uh, photograph right on the front of a black and red tiny house. It's two-story-ish. They, they actually have to fit a certain height dimension to count as a tiny house. Um, it looks like it has a deck <laughs> on the second floor. Um, and this is that, what do they call it? Shoshugiban, um, like torched wood siding. And I swear I've seen this somewhere, um, but uh, I'm not really prepared. So I'd have to go and hunt this down and see, but I swear it's from a YouTuber that put this together. Um, odds on you won't be able to find it if you search, but um, I thought a YouTuber had put it together. Um, so when the deputies from Benton County Sheriff's Office went to investigate an Oregon man's party, uh, property, they found a rather large missing item in his property or in his possession. Police were investigating 21-year-old Bo Dale Monroe in March on five criminal charges, including theft, when they discovered a two-story tiny house that resembled a home that had been reported stolen in, in a city uh, less than 10 miles away. So it was a 1979 Corsair trailer coach travel trailer that had been converted into a two-story living space and its owners reported it stolen in January. Pretty interesting. Officers said I that mean, they were... They might have never found this. It's just kind of happenstance. Yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> there were three other charges. Officer said that they received reports of Monroe siphoning over $1,000 of diesel from Whole Oaks Lumber Company and encouraged others to come forward with any information on Monroe. It's unclear how Monroe came into possession of the tiny house, but <coughs> maybe that's what he needed that $1,000 worth of diesel for the truck exactly. that's going to have to carry that. <laughs> what I don't see is how he would have towed this. Right. I mean, and I don't know, wouldn't somebody have noticed <laughs> when you took your property away? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't see. Well, I mean, they, obviously this is somewhere out in the sticks and it was just stashed away. Oh man, the deep clean that this thing's going to need. It's almost like living in a cave for 500 days. <laughs> Maybe that can be the next uh, iteration of the experiment is that tiny home living for 500 days without coming out. <laughs> yeah, I'll do it. Um, okay, so that's it for today. We've already, we hit our articles. 
Um, so let me bring you back to the welcome sign of hometown. You mash that little logo there and it refreshes and throws up a bunch of articles. Um, oh, I was right. 34 million. <coughs> Thought it was 35, but okay. How about that one? Emu leads owner and police on a slow speed chase. Okay, I like that. Although emus are kind of terrifying. <laughs> a local man's pet emu escaped and prompted a slow speed police chase to capture the giant bird. <laughs> uh, Peter Caramble, what? Carolambus? Carolambus? And then they talk about the intel leak. Yeah, I'm not sure how not... the emu fits into that. So, yeah, it's tough to catch an emu. It's the... Wait, isn't the emu the spokesperson for Liberty Insurance? Oh, maybe it is. Liberty Man. Liberty. <laughs> Liberty Biberty. It wanted to renegotiate its contract and said, nope, I'm out. All right, folks, that's it. I'm Merwat. That's hometown.com. And up there is the AI. You want to say bye? <laughs> Good night, hometown citizens. We'll see you tomorrow, 9 p.m. Eastern. Bye-bye. <laughs>